Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, say it again, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. It's wonderful to see culture begin to develop or even be a part of culture that continues to expand. There are little things in our lives that we do that whether we like it or not, our children are going to do. And our children's children are going to do. I uh, sometimes watch myself. I look in a mirror. I watch myself walk, and I see my father. My uh, my, my dad uh, was my hero, and I see characteristics there. Now, when I was young, I tried to walk like my dad. I tried to talk like my dad. I tried to be, and I learned how to pray like my dad. That's one of the things he taught us. I'd go to church early with him, and he'd be under the piano praying, and I'd find me a place and learn whatever he said, I said, and it became part of our culture. A lot of us as parents teach our kids how to do certain things. We spend more time teaching them sports than we do teaching them something eternal. We fathers will spend hours teaching their sons how to fish and hunt and play sports and become craftsmen, etc. Mamas will teach girls how to shop. It just kind of comes natural, doesn't it? And, uh, and on and on, you know, how to sew, how to cook, how to do the various things we can do. But there's something wonderful and powerful about creating a culture that's carried on to our children. And we all, like I said a while ago, we all do it. Abraham told lies and was fearful, and it's passed on to Isaac, who did the same thing, and passed it on to Jacob, who did the same thing, as a matter of fact, his name meant supplanter, cheater, liar, etc. So after, by the time they come to the third generation, they're naming their kids what they've been doing. Come on. And I want to talk today about creating one of the greatest cultures possible, the ability to pray. Amen. The ability to pray. Can I tell you when you pray, you're talking to the creator of the universe. And my Bible teaches me that when I call unto him, he will hear right. and answer and show me great and mighty things I don't even know about. And when I call unto him, his ear is attuned to the cry of the righteous. That he tells me, ask of me and I'll give you. Seek and you shall find. The culture of prayer is something that everybody can do. Everybody can be involved. Everybody can't sing on the worship team. I've heard some who try. And bless their hearts, they just can't sing. So we just don't need them on the worship team. We need them to clap their hands and shout, praise the Lord, and make a joyful noise. But they don't need a microphone. There's some people that would love to play the guitar on the worship team. But they can't. So we don't need an out of tune, out of beat guitar 
on the praise team. There's, I'd love to be able to play the drums. But when I play the drums, it doesn't sound like drums. It sounds like the bugle fife core. It's not quite the same. So I don't need to be on the drums. But I can pray. And everybody in this building can pray. Everybody can talk to the Father who created our universe. Today, we and you, you and I can be involved in changing things around us through the power of prayer. Abraham prayed, and God established a covenant with him. Isaac prayed, and God renewed that covenant. Jacob prayed, and God continued that covenant. David prayed, and God established covenant with him, and then passed it on to Solomon, who prayed, and God made covenant with him. The importance of prayer as culture is it's unbelievably important for the church today. Mm -hmm. right. The disciples asked Jesus, would you teach us how to do miracles? Mm -hmm. Is that what they asked? No. Would you teach us how to raise the dead? Would you teach us how to break bread and multiply fish that we can feed multitudes and never have to go to the grocery store? No. They didn't ask him any of those things. But they did say, would you teach us how to pray? Recognizing that the power of prayer is what caused him to do all of the mighty miracles he did. The power of prayer is what made heaven available to him on a daily basis. Are you listening to me this morning? Jesus taught them that prayer had to be a priority in their lives. He rose early to pray. I don't know when you pray, but don't pray in the evening when you're tired from a day's work. Now, if you're, not, if you're going to pray, if you're not going to pray any other time, please pray. <laughs> but most of us, we're so tired, we're weighted down with all the junk of the day, the work, the people we've encountered, driving in traffic. Most of us need to pray when we're driving in traffic. I suggest we do what Jesus did. We pray early in the morning. You find it over and over in Scripture where he rose early to pray. When I pray early, I get a head start on my problems. When I pray early, I get a head start on the things that are going to rise and come against me that day. When I pray early, my attitude gets better. When I pray early, my spirit is better. When I pray early, my personality gets better. Come on. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. Jesus prayed early. The second thing is Jesus prayed over every decision he made. Every decision he made. How many of you ever bought a car that you really wanted, but you didn't pray about and it turned out to be a junker? Come on. You knew three months into it. Why did I do this? I believe we pray over the very purchases we make. Yeah. If you're going to buy a refrigerator, ask God what kind. If you're going to buy a car, ask God to direct you. Jesus prayed over every decision he had to make. And I think that's the same thing we do. Don't just take a job just because it's there. Take the job God wants you to have. Now, you may not like the job, but if you've prayed about it, and God placed you there, then there's a purpose and a reason for you being in that place. So make the most of it. Enjoy it. 
and recognize that God's brought you to that for such a time as this. The culture of prayer takes persistence. Everybody say persistence. Hmm. If you go to Europe, you'll see magnificent churches and cathedrals. And the craftsmanship is intricate, delicate, exquisite. I remember standing in one in Spain. Gold inlaid, jewels all over the place. Fantastic, fantastic structure. But it took 500 years. The chapel at Florence. 500 years to complete that building. How many of you know that the person who laid the foundation had no idea what it would really become? But he laid the foundation. And at least 10 generations came along and picked up the vision and carried it out until one day they dedicated this magnificent cathedral to the kingdom of God. And everybody walked in and oohed and awed. Don't you know that the architect of it may have only simply drawn the plans, having no idea he wouldn't be there to see it completed? 500 years. Ten generations were willing to give and work and support a building that most of them would never attend a service in. They were willing to build for the generations to come. Committed prayer allows you to literally impact generations to come. I told Karen when we were young and started to talk about having children, I want my kids to grow up to serve the Lord. And I want to teach my kids and my kids' kids and my kids' kids' kids as long as I can live. Generation after generation after generation, I want to impact and influence them for the cause of Christ. And you know what? I can do it through prayer. Prayer changes things. I'll never forget, and I've told this to this congregation, but those of you from the bridge side haven't heard it. But when Josiah was about to be born, probably about two months before his birth, at night I had a dream, and the dream was so vivid. In my dream, I saw that when Josiah was birthed, he was dead. And it troubled my spirit so much that I went to my secretary, Linda Vaughn. I didn't tell Karen because I didn't want her worrying. <laughs> Wives worry about everything. And I didn't tell Jared. I didn't tell Mandy. I, just, I went to Linda, and I said, Linda, I had a dream last night. It's troubling my spirit. I think God's trying to tell me something. Would you pray with me for the birth of my grandson? I felt like the Lord told me that Satan was trying to rob me of progeny, uh, the future. And so we prayed, and then I rested. Sure enough, when Mandy goes into labor, she's trying to have the child naturally, but there are complications. And the doctor suddenly becomes alarmed. He rushes her into the emergency room, cuts her open, and sure enough, the cord is wrapped around his neck. And if they had continued the birth, very likely he would have died. What caused that to change? Thank you. Prayer. You don't think prayer is important? I think Josiah thinks it's pretty important. I think Jared Mandy thinks prayer is pretty important. Now, I don't say that to take credit for that. I say that to show you the power of the impact that prayer has. Prayer changes culture. Prayer changes 
generations. You can pray from generation to generation to generation. And I pray daily. Lord, I pray over my little grandsons. I pray that the outside influences of evil will not affect their spirit. I pray that what they see with their eyes doesn't affect their spirit. I pray that the time they have with their father and in this church becomes so vital and so important to them that they right. never forget it and they never leave it behind. Right. Can I tell you, prayer is a powerful thing and you must be persistent in prayer and you must believe that when you ask God, He hears and answers and will show you great and mighty things. Somebody say amen this morning. Amen. Are you out there? Yeah. Is this okay? Next. The culture of prayer requires work. <laughs> that ugly four-letter word. Work. Now, our society today, we don't care to work in prayer. If we don't get it immediately, we just don't do it. But can I tell you, persistent work prayer, uh, persistent prayer is work. It's work. There are most days I don't feel like praying. Is that a shock? But we don't live by what we feel. Right. You pray anyway. There are lots of times when getting down to pray is so arduous and so strenuous. You say, God, I just can't do this today. The Bible says Elijah was a man of like passion like you and I are. But he prayed and prayed and prayed. You remember what he was praying about? He was asking God for rain. He prayed, and his servant went and looked and saw nothing. So he prayed again. His servant went and looked and saw nothing. And he prayed again. He did that seven times. So we don't know how long he prayed each time. But he prayed until he felt something faithful, faith rise in his spirit. And he would send his servant out. And his servant would come back. I don't know about you, but I'd have given up on about three. But Elijah kept praying. And the seventh time, his servant comes back and says, I see a cloud like a man's hand. Now, when you study it, it's saying, I think it's about the size of a man's hand. What can God do with that? Huh. He said, that's the answer I've been looking for all along. Go tell the king he better get to town. It's about to rain. And God caused it to rain. His persistent work brought the rain. Daniel prayed 21 days. For God to give him a revelation of a dream that he had had. And we know that Satan fought him all 21 days. When the angel came and showed up, he said, I've been fighting the prince of Persia for these 21 days. God heard you the first day. Will you listen to me this morning? God hears you the first time you pray. Hell is trying to prevent the answer from coming. Hell is trying to keep you from having the satisfaction of knowing that God heard you and God answers you. But keep on praying, even if it's work. Amen. The old adage, if you catch a fish and feed a man, you can feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, you can feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. <coughs> Many of us. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Had your lips on this thing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Many of us teach our. It's okay, buddy. You can have it. <laughs> Many of us teach our kids a lot of things, but we don't teach them 
the persistence of prayer and work in prayer. Next, the culture of prayer requires desire. Not despire, but desire. <laughs> desire. Everybody say desire. Desire. The Lord teaches us that when I desire something in prayer, God delights in giving it to me. But the desire part here means I have to desire to pray. I have to desire to pray. Now, here's some advice for you. Punch your neighbor and say, listen, this is going to be good. Ask God to help you have a desire to pray. Our natural flesh is never going to have it. But ask God to put something inside of you that says, I have to pray. I have to pray. I have to pray. So you have to have desire. The legacy or the, cur the culture of prayer requires patience. Now, in today's economy, we want it now. If we don't get it now, it must not be God's will, so we move on. But we have to, we have to say, I'm going to be patient to believe that what I ask for, God gives to me. Right. God gives it to me. Are you listening? Yep. Patience, 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 patience. Every prayer is not answered immediately. Right. Even the prayers we pray that are God's will, aren't always answered immediately. Because God not only has a will, God has a time. And God's time is always right. It's like the sale of this property. We've had our hopes up many times. We thought we've had contracts, and they fall through. And we keep thinking, well, maybe it's not the Lord's will that we sell this place. No, we're going to continue in persistence, and impatient, believe that God is going to answer the prayer and cause us to have the people that will give us what we need to do what we need. We can't panic at the things that are happening around us. We just trust the Lord. Patience takes trust. Amen? Is this helping anybody this morning? The culture of prayer requires discipline. Everybody say discipline. That ugly word. We don't even discipline our children anymore. Mm. The psalmist said in 63 verse 1, Early will I seek you, O Lord. Yeah. Wow. Discipline. Discipline. I trained myself years and years ago to make prayer the first thing we do in the morning. And I do in the morning. Because if I don't, I will get busy. Things will happen. Yeah. As a matter of fact, for years, my office, I would tell them, don't disturb me, don't call me, or anything until at least 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, I'm an early riser, and I wake up early. And usually I got to the church somewhere around 6.30, 7 o'clock, 7.30 at the latest. Nobody else got there till 9. I had time by myself. If I found that I didn't take time by myself, then there was always somebody there to interrupt. It might have been good. It might have even been necessary, we think. But nothing is more important than the discipline of a praying life. Yeah. 
I know this is not popular preaching this morning, and that may be why I got that assignment. <laughs> I just have to tell you today, this okay. is the most important thing that you and I can be involved in in the house of the Lord. Amen. There's nothing more important in your life than a culture of prayer, right. and you must discipline yourself to pray. How do I discipline okay. myself? Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. My flesh doesn't want to pray. So I put my flesh on the cross and say, today you're not going to control my life. You're not going to control how I feel. You're not going to control my senses. You're not going to control anything about my life. And today I give it to God the Father. And when I've given my life to God, the discipline of prayer is easy. Amen. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The culture of prayer requires simplicity. Everybody say simplicity. simplicity. Oh, but prayer is so hard. The only people that really can pray are pastors. Well, who told you that? Do you think a pastor's prayer is more important than your prayer? <laughs> if you do, then God is a respecter of persons. So God must think more of the pastor than he thinks of you. But the scripture tells me that God loves us all equally. And so when anybody approaches his throne of grace boldly through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are welcome. You are welcome. I try to teach this congregation and others that you don't have to call the preacher every time you're sick. Call to God. Amen. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Who do you think the preacher calls on? <laughs> Amen. Is everybody getting this? Prayer is not complicated. It is simply you and God talking. And the glibness of word does not increase its effectiveness. How good you are with words doesn't make you a better prayer. Jesus gave that illustration. The Pharisee came in to pray. And he had these flowery prayers of all the things he had done. And what he was doing was praying for the attention of men. And then the publican came in. And he fell over the altar and he smote his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, whose prayer do you think God really heard? Right. Well, it's pretty simple when you say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> pretty simple. Jesus said, that's the prayer that God heard. The culture of prayer requires simplicity. You don't have to impress God. You can't. Are you out there? How can I impress God? He made everything. He knows everything. He's all powerful. He, how can I impress God? Can I impress God with eloquence of word? No. But God already sees my heart. He knows the intent of my heart and the intent of my spirit. And when I come to him simply, can I tell you there are many days when I don't know how to pray. But I sit down in my prayer corner and I say, God, I don't know what to say today. There's nothing in my heart that wants to pour out, but I have to have you and I need you. And today, I'm just going to sit here in your presence and I'm going to wait to hear from you. And I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to let anything distract my mind. I'm just going to sit in your presence. And I tell you, he never fails to show up and be with you. Prayer. 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 Prayer changes things. Prayer causes God to intervene in the affairs 
of men. Prayer allows me to bring my problems to God. Peter said, casting all your cares. Everybody say all. Oh. You think God cares about all? Yeah. Yeah. God cares what you're thinking. God cares what you're feeling. God cares what you're going through. God cares about the circumstances and situations that you don't know how you're going to change them. But if you can sit down and wait before the Lord, it brings God into your problem. When you gain, bring God into your problem, there's no mountain too big, no river too wide. There's nothing that can't be accomplished. Jesus said, with man, it may seem impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Say it with me. All things are possible. Say it again. All things are possible. How is it possible when I bring God into my circumstance and God into my prayer time? Prayer empowers you. It empowers you. Several years ago, I sat with one of the mayors of the city. And I asked him what the greatest problem that we had in our city. And he said, we need water in our reservoirs. He said, we've been two weeks away from sucking mud in our reservoirs. And having water for our city has to be a priority. I said, I'm going to pray for God to give you water. That was on like Monday. On Tuesday, they asked me to come and pray at the city council. So I prayed the typical prayer, Lord, give wisdom, blah, 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 blah. But when I got ready to close, I said, Father, I ask you to bless this city with rain. I pray that rain will come, so much rain, that it fills all of our reservoirs in the name of Jesus. And I sat down. That was on Tuesday night. On Thursday, it started raining. And it rained for days. And there was so much rain that it filled all of our reservoirs. And when you see the mayor, he remembered. He asked us to pray for rain. God empowers man through prayer. Are you listening? Samuel tells the story of Saul and his servant who are out looking for their lost donkeys. And they can't find them. Everywhere they go, they're unable to find them. And Saul's ready to give up. And his servant says, no, 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 don't give up yet. He said, let's go right over here to this town. Because in this town is a man of God. Everything he says comes to pass. Mm-hmm. And they go meet Samuel. And Samuel anoints Saul to become king of Israel. Prayer gives you a reputation on your job. Prayer gives you a reputation in your family. Prayer gives you a reputation in your community. Prayer changes things. I want to stop right now and I want to pray for a special need. My Uncle Clyde, who's ministered here a number of times, he's more like a brother to me than an uncle. We're the same age. He's been uh, in a terrible situation two nights ago. He, part of his intestine uh, died and got septic in his body. And he died, and they brought him back to life. This morning, they're supposed to be doing surgery on him to repair that. He just had a surgery last week. So could we stop 
and pray for Clyde Johnson this morning. Father, Amen. I bring Clyde to you. He's your child and your servant. He's doing work for you. And I don't believe it's your time for him to go home. Give guidance to the hand of surgeons today. Go ahead. Cast the infection out of his body. And then once this is corrected, may it stay corrected. And may he rise up in strength and power and minister again. We call this done in the name of Jesus. Thank you for allowing me to interrupt my servant for that. I'm almost through. You and I have to build an enduring culture of prayer that brings change, godly change, for generations to come. Abraham prayed. God moved upon his generations. Mm -hmm. David prayed. God moved upon his generations. Do you remember the prayer of Solomon when they're dedicating the temple? And he says, Father, would you remember this place and make it sacred and holy? And it should, and he begins to pray prophetically. And should we ever be taken into captivity? And should we be scattered across the earth? Now I'm paraphrasing this. Would you bring back to memory that if we will open a window somewhere and pray toward this temple, would you hear right. an answer? Yes. <laughs> That's where we get call unto me. That's where we get Chronicles 7, 14. Have me start it. If my people. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. And I'll forgive their sins. And I'll heal their lands. His prayer is continuing to affect generations today. If you go to Israel and you go to the Western Wall, they think it's part of the wall that was left of that temple. And are the outskirts of that temple. And if you go to the Western Wall, in every little nook and cranny, there are prayer requests that have been written down and rolled up in. I personally have placed prayer requests in the wall. I, pray, I put requests for you. Many of you send requests with me. They're in the wall over there right now. <laughs> because Solomon prayed that. Prayed that. Something like 2850 years ago. And it's still having impact on generations today. Isn't that amazing? This kind of prayer creates true intimacy between you and God. Can I tell you, tell God your secrets. And he won't tell anybody else. You can tell God your fears. You'll never hear God rise up and condemn you. No. He'll take them and help walk you through them. I think Mandy was dead on this morning when she talked about fear, how fear begins to affect our lives. Can I tell you, prayer moves fear back. I'll tell you a little story and then I'm going to quit. I've, uh, I've grown up as a very positive person. My dad always told us we could do anything we wanted to do. You told dad you couldn't do something, he said, can't, never could do anything. And he'd say, I'd say, he'd give me an assignment to work on a house or something. I said, Dad, I don't know if I can do that. He said, if I didn't think you could do it, I wouldn't have given you this assignment. 
So I grew up with that kind of a spirit. I never had fear of any kind in my life. I remember one night being awakened, and I was sick, and I felt like I was having a heart attack. My chest was hurting, and I heard a voice. You heard me tell it. I've heard a voice saying, I'm going to kill you tonight. Fear gripped my spirit. First time I really felt it like that for about a 30 seconds. And then my mind took over. I said, you lying devil, you couldn't kill me if you had to. Jesus has the keys of death. You don't. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. All fear left. The pain left. Everything left. So that's kind of been my life. But about three or four or five months ago, I started having episodes physically that concerned me. And one night I just couldn't get my breath. I just couldn't breathe. I was in Denver. And you always have an altitude issue, but I've been doing this for 44 years going back and forth. I lived in Denver. I adjust within a few hours, maybe a day or so. I adjust really quickly. But I couldn't breathe. Fear jumped on me. Can I tell you, fear stayed on me for months. Until about the last three or four, about the last week, really. I would be in my hotel room in Denver, waiting in church. Couldn't sleep at night. Walking the floor. Here, I'm making a confession to you, but I want to show you the power of prayer. And I hear a voice saying, don't put that little latch on the door, you know, that nobody can get in. Because you may just die in the night. How are they going to get in and recover your body? Isn't that morbid? But it became so real that right. I undid the latch right. that night. And I finally went to sleep. But fear gripped me. You're going to have a heart attack. And Satan always lets something come along to confirm what he's telling you. My doctor's concerned. He, Let me do an EKG on you. So he does the EKG. And he comes in and the nurse says, your EKG looks great. He comes in and says, well, it's okay, but it isn't right. Well, thank you, doctor. He says, we need to do a stress test. Now, I'm not physically in very good shape anymore. I don't want to do a stress test. Fear. Listen. Fear. Fear. Last week, I broke that spirit of fear. Broke it. Took authority. You see, fear never comes from God. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. And I begin to pray, and I begin to pray over my body. I commanded my body and my mind to yield to the word of the Lord. That said, by his stripes I am healed. I commanded my body and my mind to yield to the knowledge that I know about the word of the Lord. That I know his word is true. And I begin to stand on the scriptures. If you don't have anything else to pray, pray the scriptures. The scriptures are full of prayers. Paul prayed. Peter prayed. Psalmist David prayed. Solomon prayed. This Bible is full of prayers. Amen. Just get it down and start praying. And you'll find a prayer in there that applies to you. Right. Pray. Okay. And somewhere that spirit 
broke. Can I tell you, for almost a week now, I've slept nearly the whole night. There's a peace. It didn't happen just because I went to the doctor. The doctor didn't do anything for me. But I went to Dr. Jesus. Prayer. Prayer brought an intimacy back. In those times of fear, you hear Satan say, God's through with you. There's nothing else for you to do. You've already been there, done that. Now then, get on. Go ahead and die and go to heaven. I'm not through doing damage to the gates of hell. I'm not through warring with what God has given us. Prayer takes you to a whole new place and a whole new level. Prayer takes you to a new place of authority. Everybody say authority. authority. When you pray, hell trembles. There's nothing more powerful than a person crying out to God on their knees. There's nothing more powerful than a man or a woman who by faith is moving heaven. And when you move heaven, something on earth has to move. And when you pray, Jesus didn't say, if you pray. Mm -hmm. That's good. He said, and when you pray, verse 5. And when you pray, verse 6. And when you pray, verse 7. Therefore, pray, verse 9. The scriptures I read to you this morning. I think Jesus is telling us we need to pray. So prayer must be part of my life. Don't try to think that you are more powerful than the enemy. The enemy's been working his tricks on people long before you came on the scene. <clears throat> but prayer moves you to a whole new place. Prayer takes you to a level of authority that the enemy has to recognize. And when you call God into your circumstance, your circumstance will change. You get too old someday to play sports. You get too old today to maybe even fish. But you never get too old to pray. Never. Several years ago when I was pastoring in Fort Worth, our pastor Meredith's his wife, Sister Thompson, his wife Thompson's mom. It's across, they lived across the street. Brother Thompson was one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet. Sister Thompson had Alzheimer's bad. She didn't know who he was. She didn't know who her children was. Her daughter Joy would come see her every day, and she didn't know Joy. White would come by to see her, and she knew there was something about him familiar but she didn't know who Dwight was. Brother Thompson said, my wife doesn't remember birthdays. She doesn't know who I am. Said, finally, I've learned to just make a joke about it. She comes in the kitchen and said, you need to get out of here. My husband will find you. And he said, oh, that's okay. Laughs it off. So I go across the street to visit with Sister Thompson, pretty regular, about once a week. I'd go across the street and I'd see her. And... Uh, I'd say to her, hello, Sister Thompson, how are you doing? I'm fine. Now, she may be laying in bed. She may even be in a fetal position. But she'd always say, I'm fine. And I'd say, Sister Thompson, is there anything we can pray with you about? The minute I would say the word pray, she would start praying. Her mind was gone. She didn't remember anything else. But you couldn't take prayer away from her. Pray up a storm. She'd lay there in that bed and just pray and pray and pray and pray. Many times I'd just stop and listen. Powerful, meaningful prayers. The devil can take your health. Life can take a lot of things from you. 
but hold on to the ability to pray. Hold on to the ability to talk to your father. Hold on. I'll tell you one more little story. A friend of mine went to see one of his members who was in a nursing home. He was very aged by now, very feeble and very weak. And as he walked out, my friend said, God, why do you keep this man alive? Said, uh, he's ready to go. He's weak. He's feeble. He's really kind of not worth much right now. Why don't you take him on to his heavenly reward? And God says, you have no idea what that man represents. Every day he prays over this entire area. Crime is prevented. Things are changed because that old man prays over this area. I'm not ready to take him home until somebody takes his place in prayer. Prayer. <laughs> my daddy would call me or I'd call my daddy once a week. How you doing, Dad? Oh, I'm fine. I never did complain. My dad was never a complainer. How you doing? I'm fine. So in the conversations, he'd ask me how I'm doing. I said, well, Dad, you know, I'm kind of walking through this. And this. Now, I know, son, I was praying for you this morning. I was praying for you this morning. I miss those prayers. But can I tell you, those prayers live on. Yeah. And on. Yeah. Yeah. And on. That's Solomon. That's Abraham. And then that's Jesus. John 17. Lord, Father... I pray, not only for these that you have given me, but for those you're going to give me. He was thinking about you. Look at somebody say, he's thinking about me. I pray for them that the enemy will not get them. Look at the power of prayer. Stand with me. Satan, I take authority over every lying spirit now, every deceptive spirit, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray your will be done in every person. Your heads are bowed for just a moment. Is there anyone here this morning who really your life is just not where it needs to be with God? And you need, you need to make that right today. While our heads are bowed, would you just lift your hand high enough for me to see it anywhere in the room? Today, Pastor? Yes, thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Anybody else want to lift a hand with these two? Thank you, sir. I see you. Anybody else? Now, how many of you will say today, Pastor, I needed this word because I've been struggling in my prayer life. Yeah. And I need this today. Would you pray for me? Yeah, I see lots of hands. Thank you. Thank you. I believe in the power of a corporate prayer because then we're all in agreement. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And I want you just to listen. And sometimes when you don't have to pray, you just receive. And I want to pray, first of all, for the two hands that have been raised today that, they need to get some things right with God. And 
We'll pray for them again in a moment. Then I want to pray for all of you. Lord, you see these two hands that were raised this morning saying there's some things in my life I need to change. You love these. You care. Your spirit is continuing to draw them to you. So, Father, I ask that you touch the inner man, the inner spirit. Help them, Lord, to lay everything that's hindering them on the altar. Help them, Lord, to yield to your spirit that you may lead them, guide them, direct them in everything they say and everything they do. I pray your kingdom come, your will be done in their lives. Forgive them of their sin. In Jesus' name. Lord, lots of hands were raised here this morning of people that are saying, I need to do something about my prayer life. Lots of hands. Father, a motivated word won't change us. There has to be a change in our spirit. Would you send the Holy Spirit right now? Send the Holy Spirit. Touch our hearts. Touch our spirits, God. That we may recognize the power of prayer. Give us the confidence to pray. Give us the discipline to pray. Give us the persistence to pray. Lord, give us the energy to pray. I pray right now that the hand of the enemy be stricken from every life. I pray that the grace of God and the goodness of God would cause us to want to talk to you. I pray right now that your spirit would do a new thing and a new work in us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now your kingdom come and your will be done in these lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Would you lift your hands right now and just talk to God for a moment, Pastor? would raise your hand and say, I, I recommit to making a daily altar prayer. Who would raise your hand and say you agree to that? Father, you hear us. We're making a covenant with you right now that we will keep the altar before you every day. That we will keep the prayer closet. Father, if we forget, remind us. If we get busy, draw us with your kindness to the prayer, to the prayer closet, to the altar, Lord. Jesus name. I heard a quote and then we're going to bless everyone and if you want prayer for physical financial relationship anything come to the front we'll be here to pray there's a quote I heard years ago and this is my paraphrase of it but prayer is not wrestling with the reluctance of God it is partnering with his desire when we pray we're not wrestling with God who doesn't want to do this thing for us and we have to convince him we're actually partnering with what he already wants to do. Yeah. It's a desire. It, it's easy. We're not pressing. It's a release. 
And so, Father, I release that over us, that we learn to grab hold of what your desire is for us, and we partner with that. Amen. <laughs> You're good, and you want, you want to move in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are awesome. We bless you right now. Pop says y'all are used to a blessing, so let's do a blessing. Right? This feels really weird for me. But I bless you with the ability to hear his voice, with a heart that longs to hear his voice. I bless you with a house of prayer in your home. He said that he would make, that his father said that we would have a house of prayer for all nations. I pray that our homes would be a place of prayer. Amen, that we would grab hold of his desires for us. I bless you in everything you do this week. May you prosper and may you do well. May things go well for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Remember their sign-up sheets at the coffee shop if you're interested in those things. And if you need prayer, please come to the front. We want to 